0: This is the West Side Kings Church podcast, where we aim to encounter and embody the surprising grace of Jesus.
1: Hi, Brian. It's nice to be back here with you again. Um, so, this is our last session. I can't believe that we have. This is the sixth session. It's gone by so fast these conversations um and um i've really valued them and i I hope they've been helpful for our community um i think it's helpful to mention right up the top that it is our intention at some point to bring us all together in person with some of these conversations and and have a chance to kind of process these things um, together, right? You, you do miss something when we don't get to be face-to-face, but we're we're hopeful that these are at least a little bit helpful for the meantime and, and look forward to at some point in hopefully the near future that we can get together as a group and uh, process these things as a community. Um, yeah, so we today are talking about a few different things. One of the things we're going to kind of start off with is about this idea of honoring grief. And I love that conversation about honoring grief. And we're going to talk about that through like continuing bonds and sort of the idea of having special occasions and and holiday seasons and how we manage those. Um, Why don't you start us off um, with our, with our conversation on honoring our grief?
0: Yes. And um, the last session we talked about, um, grief we can put it in the drawer where it doesn't see the light of day or we can open the drawer and we can take it out wear it and talk it and hopefully get comfortable with it so to do that um we need to make some choices so as the last session i started with a story i I would like to start with another story (laughs) Oh, yeah it's another holiday story it's it's becoming kind of uh, a bit humorous but uh you just never know where, but somewhere you're going to run into somebody that's screaming. So this was a story on the east side of Canada. And uh, we were out visiting family. And um, again, it was mid-morning. We're driving down a secondary road. And um, we passed this house at like 90 kilometers an hour. But I see it and something clicked. And I said, we've got to stop. I know that house, and, and we went down the road, we pulled into a parking lot, and I thought about it, I thought about it, and I thought, and I remember it was on a show, it was on TV, and it was on artists of the West Coast that were unique in the artistry that they did, and that caught me, and it's interesting, and again, how things work, is that on TV, it was about the artist, but something clicked when I saw the house. Sure because it was a, a sign in front of the house. So we pulled in the parking lot, and my oldest son and Connor in the car, I said, I just want to go check the house out here. I just want to see if the artist is still there. Anybody want to come? Uh, Connor, who I think was nine at the time says, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. So we walk across the road and that's a beautiful old house, turn of the century home. It's a heritage home. First of all, it's spectacular. We walk around to the back door and uh, got the shutters down. There's a sign that acknowledges that there's tours and um, that it's definitely got an art uh, basis in regards to what's happening here. So I knock on the door, nothing. I ring the doorbell and then I'm thinking, maybe there's nobody home. But then I hear something in the house and I'm thinking, okay, there's somebody home. And then you start to think, okay, do I run? Do I make a break for the car or do I... To, or do I stay the course and I waited there and the, the shutter opens up and individual looks at me really disheveled like in a, in a t-shirt and I'm thinking oh boy what have I done and he goes and he puts his hand up and puts his finger up and he's like I'll be right back yeah. so then I'm in no man's kind of land right there thinking what am I doing so so he comes back he opens the door and um, you can see he just roughly kind of combed his hair, put, uh, put a full shirt on, It says, come in, come in, Sits down at the table. And, and uh, I said to him, uh, yeah, I, I recognized your house. Uh, and I said, um, I remember it was your, your wife that was the artist. And, um, and so I saw the sign and I thought I would come in and uh, ask uh, if you were still doing the tours. And there's this kind of this moment of silence. And he says, um, my wife just passed away. Mm -hmm. Uh, several months ago and of course in me I'm like okay here we are Uh, my young son is sitting at the table and uh, and I just kind of didn't miss a beat I said um, she was a a well-known artist in the community and his eyes kind of lit up and said yes she was an author and uh, Mm -hmm. she she made all sorts of things she worked with fabric and uh, he says, would you like to come outside, and I can show you around a little bit, so we go outside, and we're walking around the property, he said, she wrote a book based on this landscape here, and then he took me to this little chapel, small little tiny chapel that somebody must have built in their backyard, and he says, yeah we got that brought home, and she always wanted to do something with it, there was room for like eight people in it, but it was very quaint so it gave me a bit of an indicator that there was something, again, spiritual kind of going on, so we go back Back into the house and we sit down, and he says uh, there are some other things, um, and he shows us around the house a little bit, and uh, and he really enjoyed talking. And so we go back to the kitchen table, and I said, "So, a little bit, how, how long has it been?" He says, "It was in the spring." And I said, "So, uh, are you remembering her? Do, do you have some of the art, uh, Are people, some of the things dear to you?" I said, "What are you doing to kind of..." Keeping your wife's present close to you and holding her. He says, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. I haven't been out of the house in two weeks. I have a friend that drops in and immediately I knew that we were in getting back to that diagram where you can avoid your grief or you can find a way to heal. He was in that avoidance side and he was isolated and he was fearful and he was very sad. And, and so opened up the dialogue into, um, has there been any times when's the anniversary, uh, I, I, I hit upon your, uh, your wife's birthday. And he said, yeah, he says, ironically, you should say that because her birthday's coming up and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, what did she usually do? He said, well, we used to go to the bakery and she used to love these special cupcakes and we used to have a coffee. And I said, so have you ever thought about going to the back to the bakery and maybe getting a cupcake? He said, Oh, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. I said, so did your wife have some friends? He said, yeah. I said, we've got friends. He says, Oh, I haven't seen them a couple of months. I said, do you think anybody'd be interesting in having a cupcake and remembering your wife? And he thought about that for a minute. This was something totally that he had never considered. And he said, I think maybe we could. I said, so I said, I'm a grief. I said, I work in the area of grief. Mm-hmm. I said, the one thing about grief is about being able to find a way to hold those ones in our hearts. And how do we, we able to do that. And this was a new concept. And so we, we broadened out that concept a little bit. We talked about different ways that he's already staying connected uh, with his wife. Interestingly enough, when we went on a tour of the house, it was, it was her wedding dress was upstairs, mm-hmm. hung on a hanger, where she can tell just a little bit about how much they have been married for 40, 50 some years. And so I'd been in there, I don't know, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. I said, so if I go, do you think you might make those phone calls? And he said, I will make those phone calls. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of those, again, God kind of grace moments where you just know that it's time. So I bring that story up because I think there are times again, where we just don't know. We're trying to figure out our grief. We want to get restored, but we don't even know where to start. And he lived Early, he lived in an old farmhouse on the side of a road and had no comprehension of grief so it gets back to this idea that we need to honor our grief and um oh interestingly enough i remember he uh his wife wrote a a book for children and uh it was signed and as we were leaving he brought it out and he gave it to my son oh
1: isn't
0: that beautiful Yeah. yeah Yeah, get back to the car. And of course, everybody's like, where have you been?
1: Yeah. <laughs> For like
0: an hour. <laughs> so, but we need to honor our grief. It's nice to honor it with others, but we need to honor it in
1: ourselves. What are ways that we can think about honoring our grief, Brian?
0: I think it's giving ourselves permission to have this concept that we've been kind of talking about, moving forward, staying connected. And that's a normal response to grief. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just had communion. Yeah. That's that's about staying connected. It's very symbolic. Uh, you look through the Old Testament, New Testament, how how Old Testament different events were marked by stones and uh,
1: yeah.
0: uh, just different events that to this day are still marked. So we need to honor our grief and finding those ways that we can express it in meaningful ways. Yeah. Um yeah, being yeah. compassionate with ourselves.
1: Yeah. And I like this um the example you gave there—that idea of giving permission for those enjoyable moments—it's okay to enjoy a cupcake as a reminder, right? And yeah, allowing yourself yeah. those moments.
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, just as a note on that, uh, my—I mentioned I talked to my sister, and every year I would call her on my mom's birthday, and uh, she would celebrate my mom's by my mom's birthday by going to Tim Hortons and having a cruller donut, and a hot chocolate right. because that's yeah. what she always used to do with mom. Yeah. So that was her way of once a year being able to remember mom in a very meaningful way. And uh, it was so great just to be able to talk about that. So, but you want to have people to do that with. So we honor our grief again by what we talked about in the last session, finding people that we can open up and have a conversation with, um, inviting those memories, um, whether it be a cupcake at a bakery or lighting a candle at a time of the birthday. Um, uh, Just so many different ways we can do that.
1: Yeah and I and I think sometimes I think oftentimes it's really scary to start that to really you know it mm-hmm. sounded like this man that you you'd spoken with you know was that was foreign to him but probably a little scary too to to think about what does that feel like to let that mm-hmm. in um and there's this quote that I've shared in the past by Zoe Clark Coates um who does a lot of work within um infant and child pregnancy loss um, and it's a quote that says, if you give grief a seat around the table, then it's no longer the monster knocking at the door. And so a lot of times we hold it back because we just I don't know what that's going to feel like. But actually, if we open the door and invite grief in more as seeing it as a gentle friend, which I understand can seem very odd to think of it that way. But Grief is more of a, a bit of a friend than a monster that is just going to randomly show up and, and startle us, right? I think that's a helpful picture for people.
0: Very helpful. And it kind of goes along with this idea that we don't go through this valley alone. Yeah. Um, realizing that you're right, it can be a bit scary to talk to somebody or give yourself permission to address your grief. Um, but that, that can be very difficult to do. So. Yeah yeah
1: yeah and so there's this idea of continuing bonds, which I love hearing you talk about this, Brian, because I think that this is what we're talking about here in some of these examples, um, and I think this is a really helpful aspect of uh, uh, of the grief process. Can you talk a bit more about continuing bonds
0: yeah um I gave the example in the first story or the story yesterday uh, in the last session about, uh, the woman who was reclaiming her father's silver. Yeah. Uh, that silver is going to be that connection. That's the continuing bond, uh, the journey of going with a friend, uh, yeah. to reclaim is a connection. And I love that she took a friend to bear witness to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a continuing bond. Um, I don't know if that individual I just shared about will use a cupcake, (laughs) but it's a way to stay connected. But there was a bakery that was also connected. And so I suppose if he would think a little bit more about it, there's probably other ways. He had a wedding dress, interestingly enough, that he had taken out and put on a hanger and was in one of the side rooms. And I thought for him, uh, that was that place he was at trying to remember her connection, the marriage, but not knowing how to take that to the next step and honor it outside of his home. So continuing bonds give us permission to make those connections in ways that are meaningful. So there's a few things here that I'm just going to touch on in regards to continuing bonds. Um, They're special. They can be built around special uh, items, possessions, but they can also be about uh, moments Mm -hmm. of going places, Um, Um, I mentioned my mom. When she passed away, she was a very godly uh, mother who wanted her uh, remains to be at the church she attended on Vancouver Island, which has got many flowers, and uh, she gave directions where we were to go. So I remember I was with my father and my brother and sister. We went, and it was a shovel in the ground, and we dug out the hole, and we had mom's remains, and Um, I remember the hole was dug, and I remember I gave the shovel to my dad, and he looked at me like a deer in the headlights. (laughs) But together we gathered, and we interred moms, and then we planted three flowers um, of my mom's favorite flowers uh, in the garden. And we marked it. And so for a couple of years after I went back, and then I was once there with my sister, we went back to the garden. And that's a continuing bond. That's a connection. And so when you think about it, even grave sites are continuing bonds. So, but we can find a way to express our grief in ways that are meaningful. They're mm-hmm. safe. They allow us to go into that grief work side of that dual process and attend to the grief we're feeling by honoring it. And it can enhance that sense of connection. I remember that I think my dad was surprised when we went to the garden at the church and um, and interred Mum's uh, remains in the ground and planted the flowers. That was a precious moment for our family. Right. Yep. And so sometimes these continued bonds can happen around items, they can happen about places and events, and they have their time. It's not like I need to go back to that gravesite or to the ashes anymore. It's just, it was the right time. And for all of us, we've got a shared memory of being together as yep. a family, and there's a bond there with that plot of land
1: yeah and yeah. I think that's been one of the challenges with COVID is a lot of those things have been interrupted right a lot of those yes. rituals or the <clears throat> the ways that we continue those bonds the ways that we gather together to have this shared moment um that provides a little bit now I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that we're kind of getting on the other side of that but there's a lot of grief in that right missing out yes, on is. those opportunities to have that closure so you've got grief sort of layered on on top of grief throughout yes
0: Yeah, so, and you're right, it's about acknowledging, but remembering that I've always mentioned, I like these big windows in grief, that it's not like we can't do it now. I think my hope would be that there's been times in families, if there's been opportunities where there's been requests that couldn't be fulfilled, well, it may be a year, it may be two years, but it's not uncommon that we, it's like uh, the story about the women reclaiming her father. So that was two years later. Yeah. that we can still go back and it's, and it's perfectly acceptable to come up with a, uh, a way to do this. And, and so I wanted to share yet another story today mm-hmm. that I think kind of gets at this. And um, this was a story of a, of a, of a young man who uh, was having a real tough go in life. Mm-hmm. Don't need to get into all the particulars. Um, but as found out of, about his story that he experienced the loss of one parent when he was very young, and it uh, wasn't too many years after that, still, when he was an infant, experienced a loss of a second parent. Mm. And so I was raised by other members of the family mm. and who did all they could. But there was still this this ache, this unfinished business and just the way they had passed. And uh, it just, it was time. It was time. It had been many, many years so we talked a little bit uh, because he, he had mentioned that he just just can't seem to get around it. He was a musician. Um, it re- really uh, kind of gave his direction to the music that he was in and uh, a lot of anger, um, but huge expression. It was a way that he tried to work through his grief, but he said, it's time to let it go. So we, so I said, well, what would be helpful? He says, I'm not sure, but I just need to somehow let this go. So. I said, is there a place that if we were to do something that we could maybe outside the city, that maybe we could do something that you could kind of just let something go? We could look for a river or I said, would? Well, how would you like to let something go? And he said, oh, I've always seen stories about balloon launches. He says, what about if we did some balloons? And I said, OK. He uh, he came in the next session after he thought about it. He says, I really want to go forward with this. He says, I've actually uh, written a poem. And he wrote the poem and he shared it with me and it just brought tears to my eyes. It was so powerful. He says, I've got to let this go. This is the depth of my despair. He says, I actually took this song and I recorded it and I've put it on a CD. And uh, he says, I want to let it go. So this is okay. Let's meet. And he showed up whatever day we had arranged with, uh, I think it was like 10 helium filled balloons mm-hmm. and under the balloons, he had a CD Um, that he had put a nail scratch through. He says, these are my thoughts. This is what I want to let go. Mm. I said, um, he says, I hope you don't mind, but I brought a friend with me. So we drove an hour outside the city to a place that was very special that he had a memory as a child. And we got out and it was a perfect day. I mean, it was a bluebird, blue sky day. And so we did just a little prayer, nothing, a lot. Uh, Just being able to acknowledge that God would take this act of release and mend his heart, just something very simple. Um, And so we let the balloon go, and it went up. And, you know, the sun was out, and every time that CD swung in the breeze, it blinked ever seen a CD in the light? Mm
1: -hmm. It
0: blinked. And so it went up and up and up. And so finally we laid down on a rock. And we watched that balloon go straight up, straight up, as far as you could go without a breath of wind. And then at one point, there was one last blink, and the balloon disappeared. Mm. Balloons disappeared. And we all just were in this mesmerized state of, wow. So we sat up, and I said, how does that feel? And he looked at me, and he said, Brian, I've waited 28 years to let this go. Mm. Again, hugs all around, tears all around. And it just spoke to me again that this is where God is in the equation. Yeah. Even though he didn't carry a particularly evangelical faith, he had a strong spiritual faith. He had a strong connection with creator God and knew that somehow this was a part of where his story needed to go. And I just love that because this is another story of the grace of God and the nature of God in grief. And so I wanted to share that because for him, the release and the bond and the connection was built around that day. And he had done some work in writing the poem, putting it to music, and he had that connection, but he let the connection go. But at any point in time, he did have a copy of the poem, but that was his day that he could rebuild the other side of the equation. He didn't have to still live on the grief side. He was now moving on. And I saw him a number of years later, and uh, things had really shifted around and um, it was just like, wow, that's all it took. And that was God moving because God is not impartial. God wants everybody to find that restoration. But it was built around release and finding those ways to continue the bonds with those parents in a meaningful way. Yeah. It was about balloons and songs and not the heartache. So we rewrote the narrative. I love that. God's in the business of rewriting narratives in our hearts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So if somebody is listening to this and thinking that they want to do something like that, some sort of, some sort of ritual, um, is, is there sort of like a guideline or um, something they can follow to, to create their own type of ritual?
0: Yeah, I, I think you can be as creative as you'd like. I know there's one of the um, 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 funeral services in Calgary, you can plant a tree Oh, right. Yeah. Right. And so you get an opportunity. Uh, and there's, I went, I've been down to that, uh, forest of trees. Um, and so for every family that's gathered around it could be a rock under the tree, but, uh, that's something that's pretty well known is just to go and, uh, but I think to do that, you want to know what's the purpose of doing this. And right. so I love the, that a lot of people have done that tree and, uh, and planted one. And I think planting something, even as I did for my mom is very meaningful. Um, determining what what you would want to be a part what are the items that you would like to be a part of that whether it's just a tree i know if you go down there you'll see a couple of rocks with some colors on them or some artwork i've been out in the back country and i've come to certain places where there's been something in the rock somebody's placed a plaque in the rock and you can see that somebody's has gathered around and that's where the loved one um, has been uh, memorialized so uh, right. I, I, I'm sure there was a, a little gathering around that um, so yeah the timing, determining how you might want to do that I remember years ago we were out hiking and there's this beautiful uh, peak that we get to and uh, we were up there and I remember my my youngest son saying this is where if I die I want you to spread my ashes <laughs> so um, having a way and uh, knowing where you want to do that and I think what we do, it, it's at the right time again. There's no rush. But what it does is it starts to integrate who we are uh, post-loss. It's an opportunity to catch up with ourselves. And so why are we doing this? Um, it's time. We want the connection. We want to continue that bond. Um, But it's also a revelation a bit to us, like the women on the side of the road, uh, like the individual I talked about uh, in the house, it was a marker along the way of getting their lives back to that place of restoration. And so I think these are the things that are nice to have in the background when we go through the planning Uh, to be able to build uh, a a connection. And because COVID has impacted so many families in the way you had mentioned and not being able to have the gatherings, I really encourage families that uh, if they've got the opportunity to be creative and maybe have the opportunity to do something special and put some thought into what could we do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like we mentioned last time, right, if this it's important for people to remember kind of like their limitations and this takes a lot of energy and, and emotional energy, physical energy. Yeah. Um, and so just navigating your way forward on that, you know, being gentle yeah. with yourself and and managing some of that energy um, is really important.
0: Yeah. It's a process over time. And I think we've covered a lot of what, that dual process mo- model and yeah. how we move from our grief and how we're constantly moving over. And I think, you know, just be mindful that sometimes we think we're doing really well over here, and we are. I mentioned with the balloons, and I wouldn't be surprised if this individual every once in a while would slip back into old patterns and thoughts. And this is why I like when we do things. He's got something now he can rebuild his grief around is another narrative. So yeah, navigating forward is about making that choice Mm -hmm. to be able to take the grief out, to be able to walk it, to wear it, to talk at it and then put it in a place so that if we slip back, we can go, Hmm, I've dealt with that. I've, I've got a plan with that. And right. we've got different narratives and different things that we can pull out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and we, we just, we're just on the other side of Christmas um, season um, and certainly thinking about things like anniversaries and Christmas holidays of all sorts, birthdays, all that, um, that all kind of impacts the rituals and the traditions and it can be, It can be quite difficult, but there is preparation for that, that we can do, right? So it doesn't have to be something we hide from and it doesn't have to be something that hits us like a ton of bricks. Um, Although there might be unexpected um, and expected feelings that come up, but do you have anything else to kind of help people navigate sort of those really big moments? Um, Yeah,
0: we've just got through Christmas <clears throat> and uh, that, uh, that's always something that's nice to be able to have a bit of a plan. I know I would give recommendations that if you're having a family over for the first time after a person has passed, that sometimes it's nice just to put a picture out yeah. because it takes the awkwardness out and yeah. maybe light a candle beside the picture. And I think sometimes when people come into the house, they don't need to worry or wonder because they see a picture and a candle. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's all you need. Uh, sometimes it's putting something on the tree. Yeah, um, a special decoration or sometimes families go to services yeah. uh, and there's different churches that do poinsettias and and different things. But it's being able to, again, having a plan beforehand. And uh, and so um, I guess that's why we need to talk about this is if we let it catch us off guard and we're unprepared, we do tend to not want to go out. So yeah. putting some consideration, putting some uh, like. Putting up a picture and lighting a candle. A lot of people have not thought about that.
1: Yeah, I, they're but very. something. They're very small, simple things to do. We're not talking about something that would require a lot of energy. But you're right; just to do that sort of takes a bit of that awkwardness away for people to go. Okay, this isn't a secret. This isn't something we have to pretend didn't happen. And you know. That's right. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. Great idea. Yeah. So we just need to realize that. Yeah. During holiday times, strong memories. Uh, I talk about my sister on my mom's birthday, going to Tim Hortons, yeah. having a hot chocolate and a kruller donut, but then she'd call me <laughs> and just check in. Yeah. So this is where if we're in grief to be able to find those people we can check in with, it feels comfortable. And if we're with family members or friends, just knowing the opportunity times uh, during these special times just to check in. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like Christmas. Uh, I know a big issue is going out in public while it'd be nice to have somebody to go with. And again, having a plan that you've sought through that you start to think of two weeks before even Christmas gets here or birthdays yeah. or anniversaries or whatever What it is to have a plan. Yeah. And who do you want involved if you want anybody
1: involved? Yeah. Those are really important points, Brian. Um, so just switching gears a little bit here. Um, when we talk about children and grief, we've I've had a few questions around that. You know, I think we mm. hear this term kids are resilient they'll be fine right um, and i saw something really profound the other day that it said kids I, I mean maybe in some ways kids are resilient but it's the kids aren't resilient they just don't always have words to express their anxieties or fears or sadness right and so some yeah. i like think sometimes we can take the fact that kids you know distract themselves or don't say much and we say oh they're resilient but um, for those parents that are concerned about the way their kids are grieving or or want to know how to help their child through a uh, time of grief what what do you have to say about that?
0: I think it's opening up the conversation if it's if it's possible I think uh, kids uh, children have worries they have fears um, it's something that needs to be talked about uh, so it's about again as a parent being invested and in inquiring <laughs> uh, just trying to get a sense of where they're at and uh, picking up on the cues if if they're sad um, trying to encourage them to talk a little bit about. It. I talked a little bit. I think on one of the sessions when our pet, my son's pet, died. He was fifteen. It was his first really his loss. It was very a traumatic loss and how uh, mm-hmm. Pharaoh passed. And um, you know, there was uh, three or four days went by after uh, after um, Pharaoh was no longer with us. And I checked in on him. and said, "How are you doing?" And he said, "I'm not doing very well." Mm-hmm. I said, "What's what's happening?" He says, "Well." Dad I'm fifteen, who wants to hear about my calf that died? Mm-hmm. So for three days he had not talked to anybody. so we talked a little bit about that. and uh, yeah, I guess it's a grief counselor in me. so when uh, pharaoh uh, we got Pharaoh's ashes, I made sure we did that, and then I got a paw print and uh, there was a time when spring came that we went in the garden and we put pharaoh's ashes in the garden so again my son even though he was a teenager we needed to find a way to talk about it in an honest way and so yeah so whether they're children or whoever it is just being able to open up the conversation in the family and uh you know how much can we explain i mean this is where concepts of heaven afterlife, come up and yeah you know, it's nice to be able just to hear and just affirm that they're thinking about that. We don't have to have a theological discussion, but it is nice to uh, just to be able to affirm and say, yes, that wouldn't be great to be able to see our loved ones again.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. Questions are important. Um, Sometimes it's helpful for them to have choices. You know, I, I, I like the one around Christmas, if you're doing Christmas decorations and Again, I'll just use my mom because that would be a good example of, uh, okay, do you think mom had a favorite decoration? Which one should we put on the tree to remember grandma? Right? Stuff like that. Um, I know for a couple who had experienced a loss, we actually got a Christmas decoration one time just for Christmas. Right. And I don't know if it's still on the tree or if it had its day, but it was just an acknowledgement. And I think to uh, encourage drawing... Writing we do it as adults, but kids, they, you know, it's fun to draw. And and yet you may, they may want to draw in some sort of an expression around the loss, and you never know what might come up. But it's nice to be able to acknowledge whatever the picture is, maybe put it on the fridge. But this is for kids. Uh, they work through it. I think God is just as present in kids. Right. Um, but I think those questions need to be acknowledged, and just to be very gentle and just not to avoid it, but just be able to affirm.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, all good yeah. tips. Thanks, Brian. Now, as we kind of close um, our session, um, our final session, there is a great resource out there that you've um, spoken about before, um, and it's mygrief.ca. Why don't you just talk a little bit about that and and what kind of um, resource it is for people?
0: Yeah, so it's mygrief.ca, and um, it's a Canadian website. And it's got every question, video, thought that you might have about grief. And the nice thing is, is that you can just go on it at home on your computer, you can browse the videos, Uh, you can fill in maybe some of the things we've talked about, but you can get additional information. Um, There are different um, uh, themes. A couple of them would be things like around grieving and unexpected loss. Uh, what do we do that? What makes that differently? Uh, we we talk again. It talks about understanding and moving through grief. How to manage difficult situations. How to care for yourself. Um, and uh, do I need more resources? And so I would encourage any of uh, buddy out there that's listening to the podcast that um, maybe uh, in these successions it's rekindled a few memories in yourself. There's been a few thoughts that's moved you on to that grief side. that if you feel that oh you know maybe i should talk about this then yeah you can talk to somebody um if it's at our uh, faith community then you know Kristen has mentioned that you can always give her a call and um just um but it's nice to have some supplemental information so i really encourage mygrief.ca and um as i think i said right at the very beginning that um You know, none of us have really experienced that. We don't know about it until we're in it. And then we don't even know where the resources are. So mygrief.ca is a huge resource. Really encourage you to not only use it, but if you've got a family member or a friend that experienced a loss, uh, give them a run off a little card or uh, text them and say, here, here's some really good resources for you. So yeah, give give that a go.
1: I think that's really important what you're saying, Brian. A lot of times we look for resources while we're in the thick of things, right? And um, that can be more difficult. So it's our hope with these podcasts and um, also resources uh, like mygrief.ca that that would help people just have a little bit kind of there for, for you, uh, either now or, or for when that time comes. I, I think we all will f- face grief in our in our life, so it's good to have those resources available
0: yeah, and even as we've talked, uh, maybe there's been some that have thought about some of those memories I talked about trauma in grief that, yeah. that can be total overwhelming and you know we're not really good about addressing that, but um, there may have been something that kind of resonated and I really encourage you if you know you kind of thought um there are some good counselors out there uh, yeah. it's a faith based uh, perspective there's some good uh, faith based counselors uh, whatever orientation whatever background uh, sometimes it's nice to have somebody that understands the cultural diversity different orientations just to be able to but reach out for some help yeah, um, because it can sit there like that young man, twenty eight years, to whether it was time for that drawer to be opened. And uh, sometimes that drawer uh, it can be a lot longer than twenty eight years. And then I say, there's something radically wrong here. I don't want to say, oh, you need to look at that, but I think you know that there's just something saying, yeah, maybe uh, just maybe I should just look at that one last time. Yeah. But do it with a professional, uh, somebody who can understand the nature of trauma, and I just really encourage that. Um, but again first and foremost, that we are in relationship with a wonder-working, powerful God that is mighty, everlasting, and it has peace connected. And so God is there in all of this. And um, I think what drew me into working in grief, it started way back when I was working in a hospital, as I started to notice that God is involved in people's lives, no matter what background. And I remember there was this light went on and said, well, Brian, if you want to see God move, go to where God is moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I found that was, a, that was a revelation for me and why it kind of opened the doors to move into chaplaincy and grief support. And I would encourage everybody who may be listening that if you want to see God move, get connected with people, because mm-hmm. there's where you say to see the grace. And for Westside, it's about the surprising grace uh, uh, that we that we honor and in grief as we've talked there is that surprising grace so for many of you who have maybe not been involved because you didn't have a context or any kind yeah. of models that didn't understand the nature of your own grief or the importance of coming alongside and falling in behind i really encourage you to take that step because i think this is where we see god move as a community is when we get involved in people's lives but in a way It's got some organization and hopefully these successions have given a little bit of a framework, a little bit of a context for not only to help you, those of you who are grieving, but for those of you who want to come alongside, it gives you some models. It gives you some understanding and hopefully it just gives you the encouragement that we don't walk alone. The Holy Spirit is a part of this process and I love that Mm -hmm. as part of our faith.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brian. I think that everything you said there is just so important. And I will echo all of that and say that please, please reach out. Um, if you need some resources, we do have um, people that we refer, um, wonderful mental health um, practitioners that we can we can help refer you to. Um, and um, it's part of the West Side community or, or not part of the West Side community as of yet, but you've been following along, you know, we're happy to be journeying with you and we're happy to be in dialogue with you. So please feel free to reach out at um, uh, care at wkc.org. Sorry. (laughs) Anyways, um, Brian, thank you so much um, for these last six sessions. It's been uh, a privilege to sit in them with you and to hear all your wisdom and compassion and just, we're really grateful for you. So Thank Thank
0: you. you. I'm grateful for you to keeping me on track. (laughs) Thank you. We'll do it again sometime.
1: We will. Hopefully in person (laughs) soon.
0: Wouldn't that be great?
1: That'd be great. Okay. Well, take care. Thanks.
0: Bye-bye. Blessings.
1: Blessings.